Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us again. This is Barbara Chandler with our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge. It is Friday, and we say Friday. It has been a very busy week, and I'm sure it is a very busy week for all of you as well. I will continue to thank our listeners as I am out and about in the community, as I'm always out and about. I am running into a lot of uh, our residents, our listeners, who are they're giving me feedback. And first of all, I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for the feedback. And today's show is a special show. And we, we started this show, and most of you who've been listening, we started with the intention uh, of the focus to make this about the community to make this about Central Florida's African-American community, whether from a historic standpoint, a business standpoint, or just a grassroots organizational standpoint. We wanted to shed light and bring different voices as to what is happening in our local communities, as well as our surrounding communities and start to bridge some of the gap. So this is the foundation of our seat, our table is to recognize the leaders that's making these things happen. So one of the things that we would like to do today is for our listeners to know who we are, to know the voices that you're hearing weekly to make our seat, our table possible, the leadership lounge, and why we decided to come together. You've heard from me, you hear from me, you hear from Andrew Brown, you hear from LaVonda Wilder. LaVonda does the business spotlight. Andrew does the artist spotlight. But we, we wanted to kind of fill the need and, and have you to get to know us a little bit better, know who we are in our day-to-day -day lives and what journeys that we have taken and we have been on to get us each individually to this point as we uh, connect on the show. So that is what today's show is going to be about. We want you to get to know us even more on a personable level, that when you see us out, that you can chat with us. So that is today's show. You're going to get to know myself, Barbara Chandler. You're going to get to know Andrew Brown, and you're going to get to know LaVonda Wilder. I don't want to say that... Um, Nothing is off, off the table, nothing's off the record, but we're definitely going to share some insight of who we are. But just to catch us up on what took place over the weekend, it was a very busy weekend in our community. We had the 1619 Festival. We want to thank everyone for coming out and participating. The music was incredible. We had Orlando Unity Rhythm Section. And for those of you who are not familiar with them, you will have a chance in which to get to know them because we're gonna invite them um, we're gonna invite them to our seat, our table, so they can talk about music and where the rhythms and the drumming and where it comes from and that history. We also had the opening exhibition from Jane Turner. Jane Turner is a local self-taught artist. That exhibition is on display here at the Heritage Center, the evolution of an artist. So you're able to come here and see for yourself the work of Jane Turner. So once again, you are listening to WPRK, our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge. 
And today, LaVonda, introduce yourself. Let them hear your voice. Well, good morning, Barbara. Thank you for creating this platform for us to highlight the small businesses in the Orlando and surrounding areas. I am LaVonda Wilder, the founder and president of the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. And I actually fell in love with the community of Eatonville about seven or eight years ago. And it's such a little jewel that I found it hard to leave the community. My history is law enforcement, and I actually left the law enforcement world to become an active community, I'm very involved in the community of the town of Eatonville, Florida. LaVonda, how long were you in law enforcement? I was in, that. actually, that it was my first adult and um, I was in law enforcement 18 years. 18 and years. What exactly yes. were you doing? I started out at the prison in Volusia County at Tomoka CI and living in Altamont and driving to Daytona every day was very taxing on me and my vehicle. So mm -hmm. I was fortunate to start working at 33rd in Orlando and completed my tenure over at 33rd. I had some health issues. Okay. And yes, I had some health issues. Actually, I had, I hate, I don't even know how to say it because people find it so hard to believe, but I had a heart attack and okay. I decided, yes, I had a heart attack and I'm also a two-time breast cancer survivor. And most people, when they think of young people saying that they'd had a heart attack, because this was 2011, they think that the person must have been doing drugs or, you know, whatever uh, family history. But my physicians actually gave credit to a Coxsackie virus that normally the body fights off and my body just did not fight it off. So I decided, yeah, so I was on, you know, going from having no health issues other than having the breast cancer and no medication to being on eight meds. And I decided to turn my life around and started focusing on working out and living a healthier lifestyle. And I started the campaign to move where I started working out and encouraging the public to work out with me because I knew that I needed accountability partners. And right. from sure. there, yeah, from a person that doesn't work out or, you know, kind of movement, you need someone to encourage you. And I decided I needed someone to encourage me so I could encourage others also. I see. I see. So, wow, LaVonda. So as long as, as you and I have been knowing each other, I do remember you saying that you were a two-time um, uh, uh, breast cancer survivor, but I did not know the other history about the heart attack. So thank you for sharing and feeling, you know, led to share that. When did you know that you were a leader? You, you know what, Barbara? It's so strange because I never thought of myself like that. And I am on the, um, you're going you're gonna to laugh about this one right here. I was in the clubhouse one day and a okay. lady, the new app, the new social media app out. Yeah. And a lady reached out to me and asked me to join a group that she had that was called the Change Makers. And mm -hmm. I had 
idea that I would be speaking, but I honestly believe being uh, growing up in church, you speak whenever people ask you to speak, and especially being raised by grandparents. So she asked me to come up on the platform and talk about being a change maker. And I was like, I never thought of myself as a change maker because I just do what comes naturally. I love helping people and working with people and making people's visions come to life. So no, I actually did not realize it until January when someone asked me about being a change maker that that's actually what I am, a change maker. And I want to continue being a change maker for anyone that needs assistance and I can help that person out. Okay. Which makes, which makes, I think that's what makes a good leader, a great leader is when they are just working from, I, I always call it a very um, unpretentious space. This is who you are. You see the need and you are ready to create a solution or just try to find a way in which to fill that need. So I, I think what we all appreciate about you is your humility in all of this. And that's what continues um, you know, to make you such a, a progressive and, and a great leader. LaVonda, what, who or what are some of the things that influences you on a day-to-day -day basis? I know, you know, each day I have my good days, I have my bad days, I have my in-between days, but what keeps you motiv motivated? Who are some of the people or things that inspire and influence you to, to wake up the next day and, and, and give it another round? Honestly, it's just the everyday person. Recently, the chamber was fortunate to host an event where we were able to pre-register some of the seniors in the community because I reached out to someone that was unable to use the computer and they had gone to a neighboring community and stood in line for hours just trying to register, pre-register themselves to get the vaccine. And, you know, my building has been closed for a while now, but I was not going to let that prevent me from helping the community if that's what they needed. And I reached out to our mayor and I was telling him, you know, my desire to help some of our seniors pre-register because, frankly, I find some young people that do not know how to use the computer. So I'm not expecting the seniors to know. I was able to get the Denton Johnson Center and we registered 35 people on site for wow. the COVID vaccine. And it did not stop there. People were still reaching out to us when we got home, still needing to register, actually registered some people yesterday also. So I like to say that I like rising to the occasion. There's, <laughs> yeah, just rising to the occasion when I see a need. And, you know, this is how I grew up with my grandmother. Whenever she was able to help someone and saw a need, she would just reach out and make it happen for the person. And that's pretty much my foundation. Okay. So your grandmother was one of those great uh, influencers, uh, influencers that kind of shaped you to who you've become right now. Yes. And my family teases me because there are seven siblings and I am the grandchild, but they always call me Clora Maid, M-A-D-E, because her name is Clora May. 
And they swear that I'm the one that took the most after her, even though I am not her biological kid. Ah, uh, that show that tells a lot. So that tells yeah. a lot. So then we know, even just from that statement, behaviors, just behaviors, not necessarily do we have to be uh, related through blood, but behaviors, just being in that environment, um, those positive and healthy environments can also shape us into, uh, and, and we draw those characteristics to help us become who we are now. It's the community. Community is very important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I want to tell our listeners, one of the reasons when um, I decided to come up with Our Seat, Our Table, reaching out to uh, my close advisors, Andrew, Jay, Jenya, my son, my daughter-in-law, and, and everybody thought it was a great idea. Everybody will always think it's it's a great idea. Um, and then there's the work. Then there's the work you got to put in. And then you're like, oh, boy. But in, in that, it started to morph. I, I started to realize we have so many people in our, our community doing wonderful things. And the reason why I felt as though the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce should definitely be the umbrella that, that heads up the business spotlight, I ran across a post that was done by another community uh, member, Amy Lelane. And she found this guy, his name is Mr. Zelly L. Riley. He was a prominent African-American leader and businessman in the Paramore area. And he founded the Negro Orlando Negro Chamber of Commerce in 1950. And as soon as I ran across that, and, and the reason why she kind of dug him out was the, the site that he's on, it's called Ancient Faces. There was no face, there was not a face to the person who had founded the chamber. So in reading that information, and again, at the same time, I think we had done maybe one show with WPRK. And I said at that point, it's the Eatonville Chamber. I thought of you and, and your humble be beginnings. I, I remember when you first started, the building that you were in, the programming, reaching out to us, bringing different people over to the building that could help to educate us, implementing the Toastmasters program. And I related you to this gentleman, Zilly, Zilly Riley. I shared that information with you. What did you feel? How did that make you feel when you read it? I really was inspired reading it because I know what he must have faced during the era that he was creating the chamber that is now the African-American Chamber of Commerce. So mm -hmm. I can imagine what obstacles were in his way. And, and I read the uh, information that you sent to me and it says that he was murdered. And I know that he was murdered because of the times that he was facing along with the challenges and how Blacks were viewed in a different light back then. And I decided that I will not let any obstacles prevent me from, from making the chamber as, as large as I can make it and most beneficial to the community that we're serving. We hope to make a change within our community and make people very 
proud to be a part of the East Eatonville community and mm -hmm. at some point be recognizable and not always be met with, oh, I didn't know Eatonville had a chamber. We're mm -hmm. working on marketing and just making, trying to make an impact within our small community. Right, right. LaWanda, what are some of your accomplishments, some of your personal accomplishments that you would want to highlight? Oh, wow. I never, ever even think to talk about myself. <laughs> yeah, I think as kids, as girls, I believe we're not taught that it's okay to talk about ourselves or mm -hmm. brag about ourselves or show our accolades. So it's a little difficult for me. But the one thing that I am most proud of is that I'm humble and that I don't mind assisting people wherever I can. And when I had my problems with my heart, my heart had an injection fraction of 25%. And I was not projected to be able to do any of the things that I have accomplished thus far. But I took myself from a 25% heart to a normal heart rating now. I work out, I do everything that I want to do. I live a healthier lifestyle. I've right. traveled to Italy on a solo trip by myself in 2019. I mm -hmm. never thought that I would do that. And I always say that my memory fails me, but I relied on Vonda so much that I learned to appreciate her. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm yeah, I'm very, very happy that I've learned to love myself and know that I can accomplish whatever I put my mind to. Right, 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 right. So true. What are some of the books or what any books, favorite books or authors that you're reading right now that you would like to share with the listeners? Well, I think everyone might be reading Becoming right now, and we just got Barack Obama's book. Mm -hmm. And I have not had a chance to really read it right now, but I do have it and it's on my list to read. And um, Shonda Rhimes, The Year of Yes, I challenged myself to just start saying yes. And that was last year. And that's an excellent book for anyone that is having any forms of self-doubt to look at and and browse through and check it out. Now, the commissioner just had a book out recently Christine Moore that I am going to start reading soon and I have to find the name of it and tell you the name of it but I definitely want to read this book right here and it's on Amazon and I'm going to take a look at it soon but it's about creating the good communities and I want to see what we can do to to make our community better and I'll tell you the name of it in a second. Okay. And you said the author was who, Christine? Christine Moore is a county commissioner for our district. Oh, okay, 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 okay. But she's not the author of the book. No, she okay. just suggested the book, and I decided that I would go ahead and read that book so that I can bring more to my community. I see, I see, I see. Wow, wow, wow. So um, while you're looking for the name of the author, looking for the name of the book, do you have any regrets or anything that you wish that you had done differently? Um, I think that when I was young, I was so focused on 
getting a good government job because that's how we're raised to uh -huh. you know finish college get a good government job and and settle but this new life that i've created for myself that i didn't even realize that it was a you know a life that others would look at from the outside and think i had created a good life until one of my former classmates from lyman we were planning our 30 year anniversary and i was planning my trip to to italy and she actually said, I love the life that you've created for yourself. Mm -hmm. So what I advise young people to do now that I have a 29 year old daughter and oh, I wow. used to, yeah, and I used to force her to go to college, take college classes, and she was so unhappy and miserable. And I found this class for uh, LASIKs and the class ended up not having enough participants. So the class didn't work out and the people asked her do a full specialist class. I'm telling you, Barbara, my daughter was happy every day. She was studying, she was smiling. So the only thing that I want to say is live your life. A college education is not meant for everyone, but I do believe you have to do some type of furthering your education. Mm -hmm. Take a class, do some on-the-job training, something, but live your life. Mothers, Correct. don't force our kids to be sitting in a classroom getting all this debt from student loans. Mm -hmm. I, I, I am so happy now, Barbara. I have a degree that I do not use at all. But I'm telling you so much. I hear that so many times. Um, so, yeah, it's almost become the common. It's very common to hear that. And it's sad. It's sad. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm most happiest now than I in my, and I turned 50 on the 25th of January. Mm. And I'm more happier today than I was in my 30s. Right. I live a healthier lifestyle and I live and let live. And that's, those are my words right there. Live and let live. Yes. You told me, I think you told me the other day when I was talking to you, Mm -hmm. everybody is not your body that's so, it <laughs> those are words i wrote those words down and whenever i feel that i'm not meeting whatever someone else has I said, you know barbara gave me the perfect words to reflect on everybody is not my body so those are the words that i would leave for myself and that's how i live i just live and let live <laughs> I love it. I love it. Again, you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table, WPRK.org, WPRK 91.5. And we are speaking to LaVonda Wilder with the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. This particular show is, is for the audience. We want our listening audience to get to know who we are outside of um, outside of just the radio, that we are your common man and woman in the community who found and, and saw a need and, and we're finding a way in which to fill that void. We've been speaking with LaVonda Wilder, who is just extremely an interesting person. Um, the words that she continues to use as her motivator is live and let live. LaVonda, one more question. In, in your words, in your own words, what are some of the things that you cannot live without? What are some of your must-haves? My must-haves, I have a small circle 
I am so dependent on my family. I love family. I grew up loving family. And if I could not speak to my daughter daily or see her daily, I, I raised her saying that we were a team. And we are definitely a team. She supports me without ever ending, always supports me. My mom is very instrumental in my life. She did not raise me, but I depend on her conversations and hearing her voice. My partner, I depend on her. She supports me without ending. So the, I would definitely say family. Whenever you're sick you or just doing good things, you need support and family is everything to me. Wow. 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 And LaVonda mentioned to us a book earlier. The name of that book is Character Neighborhoods by Bill Kircher. Is that it? Yeah. Right. And so that book, again, tell us a bit about that book and what made you um, make this one of your selections for reading? Well, I haven't started it yet, but Christine Moore, our commissioner, it out, sends out an email, and this came out on February 3rd, so I, I've been planning our Eatonville Black History event, and I have not had time to read it yet, but she said that it was on her list of books that she has read, and what he speaks of is the vision of a character town and character neighborhood as one which is organized, self-governed with great leadership and working together to create and sustain an interesting, pleasant, and prosperous city or neighborhood. He teaches that our vision drives the strategy, which in turn derives positive action. Nice, nice. Yes. Those are all the visions that I have for the town of Eatonville. Mm -hmm. And if I can read this book and gain some knowledge that will help the town, you know, appear in a, in a beautiful light, when people think about it, that that is always my purpose, my vision. That's nice. That's nice. LaVonda, tell us some of the things that are upcoming. Um, I know that you mentioned that there is something happening for Black History Month. Enlighten us with what's going on. Yes, I looked around at our neighboring uh, cities, communities, and realized that everyone was celebrating the Black History Month except for our town. And I reached out to a couple of our community partners, the Zora Neale Hurston uh, Museum. I reached out to the Eatonville Library and actually one of Rollins College's WPRK's DJs. Her station is uh, Cocoa Butter. And, Cocoa Butter. And her, yeah, and her name is Stephanie Davis. I reached out to those individuals and they gladly volunteered to help me bring Black history to the town of Eatonville. And our event will be on February 27th from 11 to 2 at the Denton Johnson Community Center. And we're just going to do what we can to celebrate the event and make it a memorable event if we can do that. And uh, we're inviting anyone that wants to come out and join us to come out and enjoy the celebration. And we're calling this one our inaugural event because we definitely will be building onto it and making it an event that happens every year. So uh, we will be looking for vendors 
for the event. If anyone wants to join, join and as a vendor, please reach out to me and let me know that you'd like to participate. And we're making the prices so that everyone can afford to participate, you know, our small businesses within the community. And we're gonna charge $25 for the vendors. And if you're bringing a food item, we'll do $40. So I think that's very affordable for anyone that wishes to participate with us. Excellent, excellent. And LaVonda, please share with us that date and time. I know the location is the Denton John Community Center. What's the date for the Black History Program? It's the Denton Johnson Center, February 27th from 11 to 2, and the address is 400 Ruffle Street in the town of Eatonville. And our theme is Celebrating Us, Unity, Love, and Light in Eatonville. Nice, 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 nice. Excellent. LaVonda, I cannot thank you. Once again, you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table. You have just heard a bit about who LaVonda Wilder is and what motivated her to begin the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce in Winter Park. I cannot thank you enough for coming on today and being a part, being the, uh, the entity, the business spotlight entity of the weekly program. I appreciate your leadership. I have benefited from your leadership. I am so excited for when the building reopens. I know that that is on your priority list as well as making sure that the seniors are being registered uh, to receive their, their vaccines. Uh, I know that that is also on your priority list as well as creating uh, effective programming around the Black History Month program. So I know that your work is not in vain. I know that you, you love what you do and, and we all benefit from, from what you're doing for your community. So thank you so much for being a part of this with us. Listeners, I hope that you are getting to understand who we are and why we do what we do. LaVonda, any last minute comments? No last minute comments, but yes, I do have something to say. Okay. I have actually written down taking lemons and making lemonade. A lot of us have obstacles that seem to appear out of nowhere. We cannot let that stop us from progressing and living life. Make your lemons, make lemonade, make a lemon custard, whatever you want to make with those lemons, but That's do right. not stop pushing. We That's have right. to move forward. And, and one last thing, and then I have to dart out of here for another minute. But okay. when we pass our fellow man, woman, whomever, let's start smiling and saying hello. Yes. It's free to offer a smile to someone. I've noticed that today, whenever you pass someone, we avert our eyes, pick up our phones, and yes. just do anything to keep from speaking to one another. Yeah, you that's preoccupied? the preoccupied. I'm always thinking they're preoccupied. <laughs> no, they're not preoccupied. They saw you before you got there. When we're out walking. Let's pay attention and start smiling at one another. It does. You don't even have to show teeth all the time. Just smile and say, you know, something. Say hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acknowledge one another. Acknowledge exactly. One Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to head out of here, but thank you for creating this platform, safe platform for us to be able to speak our minds and share some knowledge with one another. Thank you very much, Barbara.
Thank you so much, LaVonda. So once again, you are listening to WPRK.org, or you may be in the car and listening on your car radio, and that's 91.5, and that is FM. We want to thank our listeners. I have ran into a couple of you over the last couple of weeks that we've been doing this. This is actually the sixth show that we've done, that we have uh, hosted, that I've hosted along with Andrew Brown and, and LaVonda Wilder. And this is very important to us. We are taking this particular show so you can kind of get to know us a little bit. As LaVonda stated earlier, it is very easy for me to talk about everyone else. And in talking about everyone else, I felt that it was only fair that you all get to know me um, on a more humanistic level, not just hearing my voice weekly or not just hearing Andrew's voice. Uh, because before the, the show started, before we started the show, before we started hosting, I should say, you know, there, there are, there's a lot of things that I've done that Andrew have done that has led us to this point. So up next, you're going to meet Andrew Brown. Andrew Brown, he does the Artist Spotlight Weekly. Andrew himself is an artist. Andrew is a professor. He actually has his degree in math. Andrew is this social media guru. Andrew is like this brilliant guy that's just in my space that I get to turn to whenever I don't know what I'm doing. Andrew has taught me how to build my own website. He's taught me how to use Canva. So he's definitely one of these intelligent minds that knows a lot about everything and he does not mind sharing. So I am, I'm so glad that he said yes to, to be a part of our seat, our table. He is a leader. He is a leader within his own right. Um, he comes from a very diverse background and I cannot wait for you guys to get to know him. So good morning, Andrew Brown. Uh, good morning. <laughs> I'm laughing in the background. It's it's interesting to hear someone else um, talk accolades about you or kind of give those those good points about yourself that you probably don't give about yourself. So I'm I'm just laughing in the background at at all of the things that that other people see about me that is just a part of me. And I just do those things mm -hmm. all the time. That's when you're just doing the work. We call that when you're just doing the yeah. work. It's just organic. So Andrew, tell us about you. Where are you from? Originally, I'm from South Florida by way of a tiny island called Dominica, Ooh. which is in the lesser, depending on who you ask, it's in the lesser Antilles. Um, so my mother originally is from there. My father is uh, born here in the United States. I was born here as well. Uh, so I have a very diverse background after tracing our, our family history and, and seeing where we're all from. Wow. Wow. Now, who raised you, Andrew? I was raised by my mom. She was a single mom in, in South Florida. And of course, my mom is one of 13, 12 or 13. So I was raised by my mother, but of course, raised by my grandmother, raised by aunts and uncles that were always in and out. And it's interesting you mentioned that my mom was the family member, like when you were um, in 
not in trouble, but when you were in a bind, you could always come live with my mom. Oh, wow. So all of my aunts, you know, who lived here, or my uncles who lived here, you know, at some point lived with my mom and I. So I was always raised by an uncle at one point or an aunt at another point or a cousin at some point. So family was always around. Family was always around for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How long, um, how long have was your mother in the States before the other families members joined? She, my mom came here in the early eighties. And then I think it was like a slow trickle after that. Uh, she always worked for a gentleman based in Anguilla who had like a shipping company and working for him, she always was able to travel to different accounts. So okay. she would travel to Anguilla for... What type of work was she doing? I don't really know. I think, <laughs> I think the modern day probably would have been like an account executive. Correct, correct. Where you go visit all of your accounts. But for her, I guess the accounts were on different islands. So you get to travel to this island here. You were get you to able travel. to go with her? No, that was that was in the 70s. Okay. So I was I was still an embryo. So yes, I was traveling with her, <laughs> just not conscious of what was going, going on. on. Um, so she would travel and then she, I guess one account brought her to South Florida. She liked the area. I'm, I'm not sure how she eventually got to stay, but she did permanently move here in the early 80s. Okay, fantastic. Any brothers and sisters? You know what? Yes. my I'm my mother's only child. Okay. Um, I have a host of step-siblings, um, which are kind of like, you know, your, your brothers and sisters. Um, so if you think about it, I do have a lot. Um, some of them I didn't grow up with okay, uh, because they were, they're significantly older than me. So by the time I came around, you know, you're already an adult and mm -hmm. you're moving through your life. And then some I did, some are, are pretty close to me in age. So I taught my little brother how to drive. Oh, nice. Um, that's a funny story. Into that was like three in the morning, and I got in trouble for doing that. But, <laughs> but I, I did teach him how to drive. My older sister, we, um, she used to live with us and and her kids. So it, it's it's like you said earlier, family's always been around. It's just a part of of what of my upbringing. Right now, I know you as a educator in yes. all those areas. Yes. And I know coming from a West Indian background, education is preached, it's instilled, it it's is beat into expected. us. It is expected of all the things you are, of all the things that you educate the community in, which is one of your, what's your top? What's your top favorite? Um, oh gosh, I do so much. Mm -hmm. I don't think I have a favorite. I think I just, well, I take that back, I do. Um, the most recent one, educating kids in teaching like fashion design, construction, that's probably my favorite. Okay. I get to tap into that creativity of pattern making and seeing a fabric turn into a garment. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably my favorite. And that's through form to fashion, correct? correct. That's through form to fashion. So it, it ranges from, you know, teaching kids how to cut fabric in different shapes and manipulating those shapes to create a garment 
all the way up to, you know, the seniors in high school that we have that are getting ready to go to college or go to an art school or design school, getting them to understand the very intricate details of something like dart manipulation, where you take a, a simple top and you cut holes in it or darts in it and you move them around and then you end up with this new top that mm -hmm. that is something new and fabulous that you can create so taking something and constructing it into something of their yes, own yes andrew the word leadership what does that mean to you it really means setting an example um when i was in high school i was in rotc uh, i did it all four years and I was, I, I think I held almost every position in, oh, wow. in, the, I didn't know that. in the battalion. I, I did. did not know that. <laughs> I did. I was, you know, you started a, a cadet private. My first year, we were in a class of all, you call it let one. So that means it's your first year in the program. And that first year, all the students in my company were all first year students. Okay. Whereas generally in a company you have like seniors and juniors and, it's and mixed. it's mixed. So that particular year we had to kind of learn um, the different roles and each student got to kind of participate in a role and then they would identify the natural leaders and then they permanently picked the natural leaders who would lead that company. And I think I started out as like a squad leader for a day. <laughs> and I had the most stubborn group of three or four students. And somehow I wrangled them all in. And I ended up being the company commander. Wow. Um, wow. So that became my like permanent role that year. Did you did you pursue going into the military after all that experience? You know, I was very close. <laughs> I was very close. I was very close. Um, as part of the program, you had to take what's called the ASVAB. So if you don't know, when you go to the military, you take the ASVAB. It's like a, a diagnostic test, but it's also a test where it they place you, depending on your score, they place you in a particular job. Right. So I was in 10th grade and everyone just took the ASVAB. I went to a predominantly black school. So one of the challenges was getting placed into like some job program Correct. or or some type of community role or something like that. So we all had to take the ASVAB in 10th grade. And depending on that, they would place you or track you to, to do something else. So I was 15. I took the ASVAB. The average score is, I think like the passing score is like 50. It's out of 99 points. The average score, I want to say, is like 70 to 80. Okay. I got a 90. Oh, wow. Of course. So, <laughs> at 15. At 15, I got a 90. And so the recruiters were beating down my door. Like, when you're ready to graduate, um, let us know. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> and at that point, I just, I didn't know that I, I, that I was interested in it. So my junior year, I took the ASAP again, and I got a 99. Wow. Which wow. is a perfect score. Wow. And that was when the recruiter pressed the button and said, okay, you need to go. What do you want to do? You can do anything you want. Just tell me. Um, so I was very close. I was very close to signing. Um, I had a really good recruiter who told me, 
Um, don't do enlisted, you know, go to school, get your degree, go to officer training school, okay. become an officer okay. and take that route. So I knew if I went, this is my map. Got it. And I knew that if I went, my uncle was in the military and retired, you know, after like 30 years. So I knew if I went, my dad was also in the military as well. So if I went, it was, okay, you're going to stay 20 years. There is no question. I knew the benefits of doing that. And I decided I didn't want the military to be my life I see. for 20 I see. years. That's um, a long time. It is mm -hmm. a long time. Sometimes I think about it and I think, should I have done it? Um, but I'm glad I did not. Uh, I would still be in the military now. I yes, have you some would. years to go. Yes, you would. But um, I'm, I'm glad I did not because I, I wouldn't be where I am now. Wow. Who were some of your influencers? When you look over the your, your lifespan, um, the person who told you that become an officer, your your parents, your your other relatives that came through, who were some of your influencers that helped to shape and cultivate Andrew Brown? I think everybody was. Mm. Um, in high school, is it's such a, for me, high school was where I learned what I thought I wanted to do. Okay. And you are shaped and influenced by so many people. So, of course, my um, Army instructors in ROTC, uh, Sergeant Major Webb, Master Sergeant Scott, our senior Army instructor, Colonel Zarnt. Um, wow. They always were shaping us. When wow. They, when they saw a leader. It's amazing you remembered all those names I, I and titles. Mm -hmm. I do remember them. They were, they were beat into your head. You had to know who they were. You had to know what they did. Um, Colonel Zarnt went to school and got a business degree. He was, I think his degree was statistics or something like that. And I don't remember exactly what he did, but that always influenced me because I liked numbers. And so he kind of would tell me, this is what you can do with it. Um, Sar Sergeant Scott was just, he always showed you, okay, this is what the army can do, but you can get out and have a life of your own. Um, and he was sharp. They were all sharp. They were all yeah. very smart, very tactful individuals. And they could read between the lines like no other. I mean, they probably were in their 50s and 60s when I was in school. Um, and as an adult, especially, you know, when you have kids, you know how to talk in code Correct. and read between Correct. the lines when you when you say certain things they were always talking in code around us Correct. and <laughs> when you picked up on it yeah. and you knew what they were trying to get at it definitely influences you um, but i had a host of teachers i remember my ap environmental science teacher mrs nearer um she was a big influence she just kind of always kept it very real and said, listen, you can, if you go to college, this is what you can do. Right. Um, I had an AP stat teacher. I can't remember her name, but she said, if you get a master's, do two years, don't take any more time with it. When you go to school and you major in this, you get this degree and this is what, so everyone always gave advice. Um, and, and you were soaking it up. I was soaking it up, not really realizing that I was soaking it up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how I I, um, influence my students now. I just kind of tell them from my life experience, this is what you can do. This is how you do it. 
And if they decide to do it, then they have ideas. If they decide not to, they can always remember, you know, that I was there or that I'm available and I'm able to assist in however, you know, they need me to, to do that. Right, right, right. Do you have... Um, what are some of the things you just cannot be without, you cannot live without? What are your must-haves? I have to have my phone. <laughs> Tell the truth. I have to have Tell the phone. truth. I have to have my phone. I have to have um, either a laptop or some type of device that I can get online with. So it's most likely it's my phone. I have to have my calendar with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm that older millennial where I grew up with an agenda. Um, I remember not having a cell phone. I remember my first cell phone was this giant brick. Um, you couldn't text. All you could do was call. <laughs> I had a beeper. So I remember formulating how I process and, and create information through a planner. So I always have my calendar with me um and if i don't i'm constantly thinking about like dates Uh, okay what is happening on this day what's coming up what's coming up so i have to have those two things you're in planning mode you're kind of in planning mode if i don't have one of those two things something is wrong okay if my phone is dead (laughs) something is wrong you need to come find me because (laughs) some something is happening where my phone should not be dead so one of those two things I always have to have with me. So when you're not working, when you're not working on projects, when you're not teaching, what are some of the hobbies? What are some of the things you do to kind of decompress? Um, I would say reading, but that's a lie. I don't. <laughs> I don't read to decompress. You scan. You scan. I do scan. Um, do like mindless scrolling. So I'll get on my phone and just kind of mindlessly look at stuff. I will look at um, videos, like how-to videos, just to try to always keep things in my head. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. You know, if I ever need that again, I'll know what to do. Okay. So I don't, I don't really have hobbies. I'm always working on something. A hobby has always become some kind of business. A project. Yeah. So like when social media, when I worked corporately with social media, um, and then I left, it became like a hobby, doing right. it for others. And then I turned it into a business at, at the behest of my partner. Fashion was always like a hobby. I remember making a pair of gloves. And to this day, those were the ugliest <laughs> pair of gloves I ever made. But they were the pair you made. But they were the pair that I made. They had no structure. They were so floppy. They didn't fit. Did they work? They did not work. work. Okay, I okay. Put them, there was a... I don't remember the designer. There was a spread in a magazine and the stylist put the gloves on like a brooch. Uh-huh. Um, and uh-huh. I wanted to recreate uh-huh. that and uh-huh. it, it failed Excuse miserably. Me. <laughs> it failed miserably. So that hobby turned into working. Um, I met my partner through it and we designed and, and we turned it into a business two or three times over. So I don't really have hobbies. I just kind of do things that that if they're not making me money, they're enriching me in some there way. We go. That's nice. Um, any any books, any books that you're reading right now, any particular, or not even so much of a book, it could be where are you getting your motivation? I was reading, there's a book called Black Ink. 
and mm-hmm. I cannot remember the editor, but a a it's a female editor, mm-hmm. and she compilated uh, autobiographies, like excerpts from autobiographies of famous authors mm-hmm. or or just very famous African Americans. It's like Black Ink literary legends. On the pearls um, of power, pleasure. Yes. Thank God for Google. So yeah. that I can look yeah. it up. So I was Nikki reading Nikki Giovanni. That. Well, it features Stephanie mm-hmm. Stokes Oliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was reading that and just kind of reading excerpts from different autobiographies of people from everywhere from my Angelou to James Baldwin, which that reading, listening to James Baldwin talk, you really have to pay attention. Yes. Reading what he wrote, you really have to pay attention because the you read it and you don't really get the meat of what he said. Sure. I have to go back and read it like three, four times to really get okay. what exactly he said. So I read that maybe a year or two ago and every once in a while I'll go back and read it. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that that kind of keeps me motivated. There's some there's a series of books called Black America series that's mm-hmm. put out by Arcadia Publishing. I constantly go back to the book that they have on um, African Americans in Orange and Seminole County to kind of see what life was like prior to me in the area. Yeah. So those kind of keep me motivated. For excellent. Sure. Excellent. All righty. So. We have uh, about five minutes left. I timed that perfectly. And Andrew is going to kind of turn the tables here. Uh, Once again, you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table. It's WPRK.org. This session was where you could get to know who the hosts are. LaVonda Wilder, she hosts the Business Spotlight. She's with the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. And then you just heard from Andrew Brown, who is the host with our artist spotlight. So we're going to turn the tables a bit and Andrew is going to probe me <laughs> just a bit here. I might not get everything in. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do yeah. another show where we, we get more time to you, Barbara. Um, the one question I do have, okay. when did you realize community was your thing? That's a good question. When did I realize the community was my thing? It was when I became, I joined AmeriCorps. Mm -hmm. I was in my, I want to think late 20s, early 30s. And I was working as a telemarketer uh, for a hearing aid company, making decent money, taking care of my sons. And my sister presented me with AmeriCorps. And the hook for me was if I did a certain amount of years after that, I would get uh, educational stipend Mm -hmm. to go to school. Of course, it did not pay the same as I was making, um, but I went ahead and um, I joined AmeriCorps and the program was teenage pregnancy. Mm. And it was in 32805 downtown Orlando. And of course, as we were learning information to share with teen mothers, whether it was in finance and parenting, um, um, how to keep your home, how to budget, that's when I realized, oh, wow, I, I felt comfortable working in the community because I represented a lot of these young girls mm-hmm. that I was mentoring. I was once them. So that was my first real connective introduction to working with the community. Awesome. 
Um, we're going to actually end it right here. I know that we got to hear from LaVonda Wilder. You got to hear from me, learn more about what interests us. But we're going to come back with another Friday edition of Our Seat, Our Table, where we, where LaVonda and I get to probe Barbara. <laughs> and because she has such a rich history, she's traveled the world, she's raised three kids in, in Central Florida, and really has her finger on the pulse of the community and what makes the community buzz, what the community needs, which is one of the reasons why Our Seat, Our Table was created. So we will see you all for another Friday edition of Our Seat, Our Table, where we will bring leaders to the table for the Leadership Lounge. I'm Andrew Brown, and this is Our Seat, Our Table on WPRK 91.5. And also you can listen in on the TuneIn app on your mobile phone. We'll see you guys next Friday. See you next Friday.